0: You're listening to Hurt At Sports Radio. Covering Nebraska football and recruiting for 24-7 sports. Here is Mike J. Schaefer. Yeah, that's a grown-ass man right there. Mike Schaefer. I don't know. There could be bacon involved. Mike Schaefer. I appreciate it, guys. Thank Brian Edwards, for me. Here is Mike Schaefer.
1: Kicking off hour number three here on Heardat Sports Radio on AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri Cities. And for hour number three, we're on KFOR in Lincoln. We are joined now by our friend from Husker 24 7, Mike Schaefer. Schaefer, how are you this morning?
0: I'm doing well.
1: How are you doing, guys? What's up, Michael? We are doing well on the uh, War Horse Sportsbook Hotline. We've got Mike Schaefer. Uh, Schaefer, we've been talking a lot this morning about expectations versus reality in the Dylan Rayola as a true freshman starting quarterback discussion because it's late January, and what else are we going to talk about? Um, (laughs) But, Schaefer, if I told you that you were going to get 62% completion, 2,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 10 picks from Dylan Rayola. A, do you take it, and B, how many wins does that equate to in your head?
0: Well, I mean, I think that's a lot more touchdowns than they, like, had. I don't even know how many total touchdowns the basketball.
1: I'm not sure it was 22, if I'm being honest. I can look it up real quick
0: just, like, doing the math in my head, so 22 times 6, and it's like, whoa, did they even score that many? And yes, <laughs> they did. I know they did. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I, look, like, those are good numbers for... I mean, quite frankly, those are good numbers if it was Kyle McCord, you know? So, um, that's, that's sort of where Nebraska's quarterback picture has been, and certainly throwing the ball over the last decade has been an adventure. So, if, you know, you can... You can promise me those numbers. I think that would be, I think it'd be really good. I mean, I think the yardage might even be a little high. Like, I think they're going to throw quite a bit, and they obviously will want to run. But I think they're going to try to go downfield quite a bit too. Uh, so the yardage might be a little higher. The completion percentage because of that might be a tick lower. Um, interceptions could maybe be a little bit up. But yeah, those are all. Those are the baseline numbers. I mean, those are fantastic, and I think any Nebraska fan would be happy to take that um as for how many wins it it leads to i mean assuming you're still getting some rushing production in there from from everybody i would think that would get you in that seven to eight win range right like those that seems positive uh for and um you know again if you were if you were promising me those numbers i think my expectation would be at least seven wins
1: Shafe, uh if I could give you either those numbers or a 1,200-yard rusher, which are you taking?
0: Um, that's not really fair because I've been pining for, like, <laughs> a bell cap running back for a while. <laughs> now you're making me choose between competent quarterback play, actually exceedingly competent quarterback
1: play. Yeah, those would be pretty good, good numbers, right? Like Those would be good quarterback numbers. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um like crazy if I'm taking the twelve hundred yard rusher? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's crazy. You didn't you know you didn't guarantee touchdowns there, but that makes me assume you're scoring at like a, like let's say that leads to fourteen touchdowns. Like that's that's pretty good I and mean, then if you chipped in like fifteen passing touchdowns and like it goes some down a little
1: bit. Oh, Shay, did we lose you?
0: I like the – uh, yeah, I'm driving, so I apologize. <laughs> oh,
1: you're it. good. No, you're, you're okay.
0: Good.
2: We got you back. You're okay.
0: Yeah, so I I think I would take the rusher because it would take the pressure off of Dylan Raiola immensely. If you can give him somebody competent in that backfield to uh, to, to be able to lean on a little bit. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the difficult part here is Nebraska is going to need a Herculean effort once again from a young quarterback. To, to
2: try to to mask the deficiencies of the rest of the offense. Now, Shay, along the same lines of the Dylan Rayola effect, I I was thinking the other night. You know, we've already seen Dr. do his thing and, and help bring over commitments out of the transfer portal. But how much do you realistically think we'll see him? Or I guess, how much do you really realistically think? we'll see him do when he's officially in uniform in terms of that so-called like, recruiting tactic that we've kind of like labeled him to be. Like, Is his work just done in the wins and losses column and that tells the story, or is he actually going to be somewhat of what he is now whenever you know, this staff is trying to recruit more and more top athletes?
0: Well, the, the, the thing is, if the staff is doing its job, and they would, they would certainly express this, I think, the same way, he's never going to play a game before they're trying to land the biggest fish in this recruiting class, right? Like, so he's going to be able to be a weapon for them in terms of recruiting throughout the spring and the summer. During these unofficial and official visits, there's going to be wide receivers that are going to be able to come in, <clears throat> watch Nebraska practice, watch summer workouts, whatever, and see this guy grow. And then, you know, they can, they can work off of the cachet that he has in the recruiting world to, to basically be like, okay, well, Nebraska needs help at wide receiver, or Nebraska needs a running back, or I'm a left tackle, and I want to block for this guy. like that, Those conversations, all of that can all happen even before he ever takes a snap for Nebraska just based on the way the recruiting cycle and the speed of all of this comes together. So he's going to be an asset in recruiting for sure this spring and this summer, even if it's not, like, as involved as he was for Georgia or as he was for Nebraska here at the beginning of January with Jamal Banks and, and Dowdell and, and uh, Isaiah Nair. So I, I look for him to, to be a talking point for wide receivers, tight ends, like anybody on offense, really. I mean, I, I just think, and then we'll see if it extends over to defense. But I, I would expect that that's going to be a thing, especially – because I'm not entirely convinced Nebraska is going to get a 2025 quarterback early in the cycle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I mean he might end up being sort of a an effective peer recruiting quarterback once again, even though it's not his recruiting cycle.
1: We're talking with Mike Schaefer from Husker 24/7. Uh, Schaefer, I'm going to go. I, I assume you don't have you know the the numbers of various true freshman quarterbacks memorized off the top of your head, uh, but if I said just based purely on vibes, which I know is dangerous, uh, if I said the vibe of Dylan Raiola's freshman year will be the same as Bo Nix's freshman year at Auburn, your response would be what?
0: Uh, well, I don't know how I ever feel about Auburn and Nebraska being <laughs> in the same thing, Especially when we're talking vibes, because that usually means coaching buyouts, if I know anything Immaculate about
1: Immaculate vibes.
0: Yeah, um... <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't have the i don't know exactly what bo Nix did i just know everything he did at auburn felt like a roller coaster you got the best of the best and you got some of the lowest of the lows and um in there i feel like that was like a seven and five team off the top of
1: my head i don't uh know his freshman year they were a nine win team
0: okay well there you go so i mean certainly in terms of win losses like if that's if that's I think one of the more interesting things from just talking with the guys at our 24/7 Sports Network is it's really hard with true freshmen because there's the the top end guys don't play as much as you think they do. Like if you look at last year's class, none of the true freshmen that were on the, the like the freshman All American teams were like highly rated guys. Those guys all fat They you know because they end up at programs where there's a better quarterback in front of them or there's an established quarterback or what have you. So it is a little bit difficult. You know, you, you kind of have to go to a Bo or You have to, you know, you even have to look at Adrian Martinez in 2018 because there's just not as many of these true freshman starting quarterbacks as we maybe build in our minds. And that's what makes it difficult to sort of project exactly how Dylan Raiola is going to play in, in 2024. But, yeah, I mean, if, again, if you can tell me that it's, it's going to look like that, even, again, if it's seven wins, there's no way I'm not taking it sight unseen. I mean, I just – the health of this program if they just win seven games is large. If they win nine games next year, I mean, uh, the jokes about off-season champs are going to swell into off-season. Guys. <laughs>
2: Shafe, um, you know, we, we've been seeing a lot of moves uh, made. You know, last week we talked about the big weekend Nebraska had. The, um, you know, this past weekend, similar, um, similar things took place. You know, we're seeing this staff continue to be aggressive in the Miami area with moves in 2024 and now in 2025. But, you know, I, I'm curious, is there an area of the country you think they need to hit harder than they are right now?
0: I don't know. (laughs) I would say they need to hit it harder. They need to find more success in it. Uh, Well, they they certainly needed to hit it harder than the previous staff, so I think they've done that. But um, Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, you know, that that whole region, like there's at least three guys every year that are more than good enough to be scholarship players. There's often seven to seven guys, you know, that are good enough to be on your roster. Uh, And Nebraska needs to get more players out of Kansas City. I mean, there's just, there's no reason that Mike Rileys staff really dropped the ball there Scott Frost's staff never really picked it up and ran with it uh, and here we are now to to Matt rule and you have Kansas is good at football Kansas State is good at football Missouri is good at football Iowa State's good at football Iowa is good at football Michigan comes in and recruits there Wisconsin comes in and recruits there Oklahoma has made a living there like it's it's difficult for me to understand how all of these teams that are good at what Nebraska wants to be good at are more than happy to go into Kansas City and get the high-end guys, the medium guys, the, the, you know, the, the sort of underrated uh, dark horse guys. And yet Nebraska is like, nah, we don't want to go three and a half hours from our house to look for talent. <laughs> I, I just I don't get it. And so I want them to make that an area of emphasis there's guys down there, whether it's Andrew Babaloa, who's a, a, you know, five-star offensive tackle, whether it is, um, you know, his teammate Brock Heath, whether it's Jaden Woods, uh, a Mill Valley four-star edge, like there's just a lot of talent down there and in that area and in the surrounding communities. Like we, we talk about how it's exploding in, in Omaha and in Nebraska in terms of recruitable five-star talent. It's doing that in other places in the Midwest that are right next door. Nebraska needs to be in a better position to take some of these guys. And I I think they're working there, but they're not quite there yet. And maybe this, this can be sort of the start of it.
2: Shafe, provide some added perspective here for me and and some of our listeners, because I know you've been on the Kansas City train for a little while and in, in in terms of where you think Nebraska should make a bigger presence or, or make their presence feel known you know this staff is is so good about like doing things the unconventional way um you know maybe not just doing what everybody else is doing but in this case you provide a lot of good examples in terms of the perspective i'm looking for who are some names you've seen out of kansas city become something other places
0: uh that's sort of always a difficult part because i'm not I like. I'm not right in front of a computer, so I can't even Google that as we're as we're sitting here. But I know, like, I, I look at Iowa State. They have several guys from the Kansas City area that have been successful. For them. Michigan has several as well. Wisconsin has several. Um I go back to to kind of Kansas State. Um There was uh, a guy Elijah Lee. He played mm-hmm. with uh, the Davis Twins for, at at Blue Springs. This goes back to the Bo Pelini. like. This is a guy that absolutely there's no reason Nebraska didn't have on its ride. He wanted to go to Nebraska. They were sort of interested but never moved on it. They needed an edge rusher. They went with a guy named DeAndre Wills who lasted one day on campus before he transferred to Jackson State. And Elijah Lee is just sitting right there, and they never do anything with him. He ends up in the NFL. And, um, you know, there's other guys of that, that example. I, I'm I'm blanking. I'm failing you really bad right now. But, if, uh, if you give me a little bit, I would be more than happy to tweet at you a list of players
2: Hit that me with out them.
0: of Kansas. Yeah, and that, you know, Nebraska absolutely could have been in better position with had they recruited the area better and had they continued to recruit it. Because some of it is, you know, there's guys that, you know, they didn't really have a chance with that they would have had a better chance with had they continued to recruit that area hard instead of sort of popping in and, and you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, but never making it an emphasis. I, I talked with Bill Bush about this the other day, and he basically was like, yeah, when I went back into Kansas City, there were coaches that were like, you know, it's nice. Instead of just getting the – Scott Frost would come in for one day, hit three schools, take some photos of coaches, and Nebraska would never be back there again. Like, you, you just can't have that. Like, it's, it's in your backyard. It does not make any sense to me for that not to be an aggressively pursued area. And I, I think the staff will do that. Um, Rob Dvorak is going to be a big part of that, and uh, their their connections, I think, down there are still really strong. There's a lot of Nebraska fans in the Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri area, and I, I think it's important to kind of play off of that.
1: We're talking with Mike Schaefer of Husker 24/7, uh, Schaefer, As we kind of keep going through these, you know, Junior Day weekends, and you know, obviously last weekend was a was a big. Uh, junior day type event you've got another one um you know you've got I believe you have another one coming up this weekend with Nebraska who are some of the names that we should start keeping an eye on whether it's locally whether it's nationally like who are some people that you're most interested in that have shown interest in Nebraska in these upcoming classes
0: yeah I mean there's a guy down in Miami I think I've talked about him before Cortez Mills mm-hmm. the uh he basically the sort of wide receiver that I think Dylan Raiola can help Nebraska with. He's also friends with Ja'Cory Barney and Willis McGahee and those guys. He's also being recruited by LSU, Georgia, Clemson, and literally everybody under the sun, so that doesn't make it easy. But I think Nebraska has some pull there with him. Um, you know. And then uh, right here locally, I think if they can get Andrew Babaloa, I mentioned him, back up again. He's visited a couple times. Uh, you have Christian Jones right in Omaha. That's someone that Nebraska, I think, is going to get in their class, but it might take a lot of time and a lot of effort uh, to to make that happen. Uh, a name in Omaha that I feel like maybe gets overlooked a little bit. He was at Elkhorn North last the last couple years as brothers at Kansas State, and he's going to be at Millard South next year. Chase Lofton is a guy that you know falls in that uh, power five tight end category where Nebraska seems to produce. Three to four of those guys every year now, and he's probably the best of them in this twenty twenty five cycle uh, right here in in Nebraska. So that's another local kid to to really keep an eye on. Pierce, Pierce Mooberry will be part of Nebraska's class. It's just a matter of when it happens. Uh, there's just a lot, you know, that uh, it can be going on here locally. I mean, and then nationally, we'll we'll sort of see how it how it plays out, where they kind of put their attention you know it's interesting i haven't haven't seen as many names in texas linked with nebraska as what it was at this time last year but i think that had a chance to certainly grow um you know we'll we'll see if they're able to build off of some poly connections there's a couple kids out in hawaii that i think are going to be taking official visits to nebraska after preston taumua ended up in this class and they have connections to to the riola family as well so I mean, they're they're going to be a national recruiting operation as always, Uh, and it's interesting because I don't feel like, you know, last year felt like it was going to be a very Texas-heavy thing. I don't know that I feel the same way this year, but it might just be because some of those names haven't developed uh, to the point where we knew them as early as we did last year.
2: Shafe, I want to take a look at the Big Ten as a whole now and talk about a, a recent hire at Iowa. What are your thoughts on them getting Tim Lester?
0: I don't have a lot of thoughts. I mean, I think I, like everyone else, laughed at the Roger Sherman tweet about uh, you know, <laughs> multiple months looking for an offensive coordinator and hiring a guy whose last offense he oversaw was like 128th and the S-, the S and whatever plus. I don't know what it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, I look, it doesn't mean anything to me because it's it's Kirk parent's program. Like, it's going to be the same whether it was his kid running it whether it was someone else running it, like they're going to be methodical. They're going to play off of play action. They're going to get their tight ends involved. They're going to try to have a big offensive line up front. They're going to be deceptively bad at rushing the football, despite the fact they have this big offensive line up front. Um, you know, and that's, that's what they're going to be. They're going to play through their defense, and that's who they are, and it didn't matter who they hired as their offensive coordinator. So whether it was Tim Lester or Paul Chris or Scott Frost, I felt like it was going to be the same team no matter what.
1: Shafe, I want to circle back to the true freshman thing we were talking about a little bit earlier because I had a chance to look at some things uh, while we were talking here. And out of the – because my guy Riley on Twitter put together a terrific spreadsheet for me of the top three quarterbacks in each class and how they performed as true freshmen. And as you mentioned, a lot of the the big-name guys don't play that much as true freshmen because they're going to places that already have five-star quarterbacks right um Mm -hmm. so what if i told you that of the guys and i believe there is seven in the last 10 years just out of those top threes uh groups every year seven of those guys are what i would call full-time starters you're talking starting double-digit games for their teams only one of those teams ended up with fewer than seven wins
0: yeah, well, that's, I think, genuinely a product of those teams' strength to begin with. Because, um, again, if we're looking at that, Nebraska is probably one of how many teams that is coming in with a losing record uh, of the year prior, let alone the previous seven, uh, to, to then land one of these quarterbacks. So, I, I mean, again, I would be surprised if Nebraska doesn't win seven games next year. Uh, because I think the schedule sets up. I think the roster sets up. Uh, but obviously, you know, he's got to be able to stay healthy because if it's not, you know, if it's not Dylan or Iola, then you have a real interesting conversation about how Nebraska plays uh, and they don't have a backup quarterback that's similar to, to what we expect the expected starter to be. But if he's healthy and if he's able to be a full-time starter, I mean, I, my expectation is for Nebraska to be successful and for him to be successful. They're, they've made this bet that that they can win games with. It. They didn't make this bet because they thought, you know, in two years we might be really good. They know they need to win some games right away next year and they feel comfortable enough to allow a true freshman to, to have that opportunity. So I, I feel like they they see it in the same way. And it, it may not be perfect. Um and it's you know, there's gonna be a lot of growing pains I'm sure throughout. But they're they're betting on it. And they apparently are confident enough that there's you know, there's really no other true option out there—at least not externally.
2: Shafe, I I have some just random college football questions popping into my head now as I'm thinking about coaches. After asking you about Tim Lester, and now I'm thinking about Terone Moore up at Michigan. Do you think he'll be able to keep the Wolverines the Wolverines in their powerhouse stage, or do you expect setbacks early on?
0: I am—I'm uh, really curious how that one goes. I mean, I, I think. You know, a, like, you can't talk about this year's Michigan team without at least mentioning the the cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about the cheating scandal without at least mentioning that it basically felt born out of the fact that in 2020 Jim Harbaugh had his worst year uh, with Michigan and obviously COVID and everything else, and it's hard to know how much of that was that and everything else. But, I mean, their rise as a program coincides with so if Sharon Moore comes in and everything's squeaky clean and you lose this sort of extended run of seniors that help pull you over the top and you're starting fresh at, at quarterback and you don't have Blake Corum and you don't have sort of Jim Harbaugh's touch on a program, I mean, David Shaw kept it sustained for a little while at Stanford and then it, it bellied up. Uh, I I anticipate similar you know, with Michigan, I don't think it'll go full Stanford, but I think it's going to be hard for them to stay at the level they've been the last three years. And I think it's going to be hard for Sharon Moore to, to basically be Jim Harbaugh right off the bat. I mean, there's a lot of people that are excited about him, but I, I just don't know. I don't know if he can just do something.
1: That's Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Schaefer, we appreciate your time, as always, and indulging us, kind of going all over the place with you this morning. Uh, we will talk to you again soon. See you, guys. Hey, thanks, Schaefer. That's Mike J. Schaefer from Husker 24-7 Sports on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline. Coming up next, we're going to talk more about the mob. That, yeah, the, the Danbury the, Trashers. The hockey team owned and by I'm the gonna mob. And I'm going to give you
2: some names that I think should be casted in my TV series. Let's do it. Coming up next on Herd Sports Radio.